It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming in to you on a Monday, May 23rd. Just a little bit of time left in May. Maybe that's good news for the LA Galaxy, but they still have two games before they close out for this month. Uh, they get smacked. They get smacked across the face, 3 to nothing by the Houston Dynamo. Um, there's not a lot of, uh, of good things to talk about that game, but we are going to talk about that game. There were some lineup changes. There was some rotation, some things all pointing to the Wednesday game again in the El Trafico against LAFC in the U.S. Open Cup round of 16. We'll preview that game a little bit, tell you maybe what you can expect whenever you get to the stadium. So we're going to hopefully uh, talk you through, maybe talk you off the ledge a little bit uh, today, uh, this week on a Monday. Uh, maybe, maybe that's how it's supposed to work. All right. Uh, to help me talk you through that and talk about a whole bunch of things, LA Galaxy is uh, the Man City man himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, are you are you enjoying your 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 Premier League title? Yeah. Before you went out to the Galaxy game, did you happen to see a little thing called the Premier League Championship decided on I, Sunday? I did. I you know I was watching little pieces of it, and what an exciting day it was, and it, lots of twists and turns. Leeds stayed up too. I mean, there was listen. Um, I, it was funny. I was talking to Damien at the game and Damien goes, you know, people say that you need pro rel and MLS. And he's like, you don't, you don't need pro rel. And he goes, he goes, I mean, whenever you're celebrating and looking at a team that barely stays up like Leeds, it's exciting. He goes, but like, you know, what are you vote? You're rooting for the 16th best team in the, in the premier league. Whenever you do that, you're rooting for mediocrities to stay above. It's an interesting storyline. Uh, it gives you something to pay attention to on both ends of the table. Sometimes it works out that way. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. But it, it's at least interesting. And I found the whole day uh, exhilarating and exciting. Well, the man here, our, our guest, we have a guest host uh, with us here in the South Bakersfield studios. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne made that great pass. And say hi, Kevin. <laughs> there he goes. A little, uh, little bobblehead yeah, Kevin there. Mute. Yeah. yeah. Two um, Kevins. That's too, too many as far as I'm concerned. Yes, but yes. right. We're doubling up on Kevins here in Bakersfield. Um, but, you know, um, Ramon Alessandrini, who played most of his career in, in France, or at the beginning of his career anyways, where there is pr uh, promotion relegation, told me he liked the MLS way better um, because he thought that you get to a playoffs and if you're a, a good team, you get a second bite of the apple, you get a second chance. Um, teams at the end of the season are hot. They can go through. We've seen a lot of you know teams that didn't win the conference during the regular season go on and do really well in the playoffs. But another thing he said is he said when the promotion uh, and relegation battle start, especially relegation, Teams play not to lose. They want one point. They don't want to go home without a point. And teams do not push forward. They do not try to win. Right. And he said that was noticeable. And that a lot of the games in France between lower table teams were really bad at the end of the season. He said in MLS, 
everybody plays to win. And he said, sure, you know, you may have Seattle in first playing San Jose in last, but San Jose has no reason not to try to win that game. It could make their season. It, it They're not going to move up the table, but if they beat the team that goes on to win the MLS Cup, that's a little bit of a flower, you know, a, a, a feather in their cap. Right. So yeah. he liked that better. I, I mean, I get it. I, I, I get the the argument. I mean, there is an interesting sort of tidbit of that you can go through the entire regular season in Major League Soccer and it means relatively little. You get to the playoffs and all of a sudden now it's it's more of a tournament at the end. I'm still not sure how I balance that. But the bottom line is the season isn't balanced for any player um, or any team either. And so I'm probably OK with the playoffs. Right. I still think there needs to be tweaks and changes to things. Um, and as 30 teams arrive here soon, maybe we'll get into, you know, 10 game uh, conferences or 10 team conferences and have three conferences and figure out a way. But I mean, you know, winning the regular season anymore is a function of schedule. Um, a lot of times, just as much as it's a function of, of who the best team is. And so that, well, that still, that still wears on me. I would much rather like a balanced, balanced, you know, schedule. So that way you can be like the person who wins the regular season actually wins something. Well, I think the big thing with MLS is the financial setup with designated players and a salary cap. You don't see that in Europe. And that's why the Bundesliga has Bayern Munich winning what, nine in a row and, and Juventus and Milan dominating in, in Syria, ah, and Barcelona and Real Madrid, Liverpool and Man City. It's the same one or two teams every year because they play such a, a, a lengthy schedule with domestic cup competitions in England. There's two. They have Champions League or Europa League. They have a 38-game regular season. Um, you really need a deep squad. And the only one that can afford a deep squad are the, 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 the teams the with a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, they're talking in Germany about having a playoff now because Bayern Munich is just too dominant. It's not fair to anybody else. Bayern Munich, to their credit, actually said, yeah, you know, we'll win the league and then we'll go win the playoff too. Fine, let's do that. It, it would be it would be an interesting little turn there at the end of the season. Anyway, uh, Manchester City uh, winning that game, that was, uh, that was it was very much in doubt. And, uh, and then the last, what, 12, 13 minutes of the game, they came back. I actually had to turn it off because I was watching a couple of games. We had to go run some errands. So we get in the car, at, you know, 10 minutes after turning things off, we get in the car and it was 2 nothing, And then all of a sudden it's 2-2. And then I'm listening as it goes 3-2. I'm like, what? It just happened in the 10 minutes that I was taking to like... Get in the car. So uh, lots of fun, lots of craziness. You know what's great about that last thing about that is people say, well, it'd be better if the two teams were facing one another. You know what? I liked it that way. Uh, the reason I liked it that way is because um, if Liverpool drew, Man City wins um, because it was one point difference and they had a huge advantage in the goal differential. Um, so Man City, what Man City had to do is make sure it won because if Liverpool won, they would go in front. If they were playing one another, I think the whole dynamic would change. And it was a lot of fun going from station to station, going back and forth, checking on the two games. Right. Yeah, it, it'd be great if they were on the field together, but it was just as much fun that they weren't. Great. It was great. But we've also seen very boring last days of the EPL as well. So, I mean, let's not pretend like it's always this good. And, you know, um, certainly no, nine, nine times in the EPL era, which started in 92. So th nine times in 30 years, it's gone down to the last day of the season. That's it. Yeah. Not very many times. All right. Uh, LA Galaxy three, nothing uh, losers to uh, the Houston not Dynamo. Going down to the end. Yeah. <laughs> You know, this it's weird because this game is going to get colored, I think, a lot by the FC Dallas game, and, and it should, right? Obviously, the LA Galaxy play their last two home games. Uh, they're outscored 6-1 to one in those last two home games. FC Dallas comes in, beats the ever-living crap out of the LA Galaxy with goals in about 12 or 13 minutes span. Um, or was it 23 minutes, whenever you looked at it? I can't remember. I was there, There's a lot of numbers in my head. Um, but, you know, that FC Dallas game colors a lot of this Houston game, and I think the Houston game is a little bit different. Um, but it doesn't really matter because the result is the same, right? It's no points. Um, and it's something that we have been watching now with this team for a little while, Kevin, which is they're not good at home. 
they haven't been good they, at home. This is they not, haven't won at home in two well in, in over a month. They, yeah. The last game was Nashville. Yeah, the last game was Nashville. But they've now played what six games at home, and they've have nine points out of that. They have a better average points per game on the road right now than they do, um, you know, at home. And I think there's a very clear definitive difference in how they play on the road and how they play at home. And it's really interesting to see them try to figure that out. I am not Kevin. I am not one of these people who's saying you should, you should be jumping off a bridge right now. All right. No, but you might want to go and try to find a bridge <laughs> just so you have one identified when you need it. <laughs> you, you don't want to be searching for that bridge whenever you're going to no. finally need it. Right. Um, well, I, you talked about this last game. They had the ball for 65 of the 90 minutes. They outshot the Dynamo 16 to 14, and the game was was never even close. And it and the numbers you talked about, you have a lot of numbers. The numbers get worse. They've won just two of the last seven games mm-hmm. the Galaxy have. They allowed seven goals in their first 10 games of the season. They allowed seven goals in their last three games. Yeah. They now have a negative goal differential for the first time this season. Right. They, they didn't score in, 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 in that uh, – slide that they're in right now they didn't score at all in four of those games um and, and you know they've been what shut out three times it's it's not it's not going in the right direction no it's not it's not going in the right direction there's lots of lots of slides and you know i think that um you could listen i i saw so many mixed reactions on twitter and and social media i'm not really sure how to react but a lot of people were really angry that greg rotated the lineup in this game because he did rotate the lineup all three designated players started on the bench but um, then they'd be complaining if he didn't have his great his starting lineup against LAFC. You can't have it both ways. I, you can't. And at the same time, I will I will make a very very clear and and easy argument that the rotated lineup played better than whenever the three DPS came onto the field. So um, I don't know what you. Everybody complains that Greg runs out the same starting lineup over and over again, and he hasn't in the last probably three or four games. He's been rotating. He's been had some injuries, had some, some suspensions, and I think all those things have hurt the LA Galaxy because I think that when you look at when the LA Galaxy were playing consistently they had the same lineup over and over again it was consistent they sort of knew what to expect but the big issue and the big issue has been is their creativity um and I'm going to beat this drum until I die uh, it seems uh that Victor Vasquez is their only creator on this field the LA Galaxy didn't start sucking um, at the end of the game where they basically created no chances when three designated players came on the field because they had three designated players come on the field. They sucked whenever three designated players come on the field because Victor Vasquez went off right before the three designated players came on the field. Um, and there's no easy way to reconcile that. Efrain Alvarez has been put in that position time and time again, and he got the start um, in this with Victor Vasquez. And Vasquez and Efrain Alvarez do okay off of each other, but it's really the creativity from Vasquez that helps Efrain be even a, a, a semi-playmaker in the areas that he has been in. Because um, as soon as Victor Vasquez came off that field, the LA Galaxy regressed into the same thing that we've seen, which was pinball in the box. Uh, trying to run through a back 10 or 11 from Houston Dynamo, who are now set in the ways because it's three nothing already. Um, so the Galaxy have a huge problem, and we've been talking about it. And we said when Victor Vasquez comes back, the creativity will come back. He came into the last 20, 30 minutes of the game against Minnesota, and we saw the chances start to ca- start to creep up. He starts this game. The LA Galaxy had plenty of chances to score in this game. They didn't. Um, and then as soon as he goes off, they basically didn't generate any chances. Go back and look. It's, it's funny. You can, you, sometimes you can tell a lot from the highlights about what they show and what they don't show. And if you go back and watch the highlights, it's like it, it starts and it basically goes, oh, the 11th minute, oh, the 20th minute, 22nd minute, 31st minute, 39th minute, 44th minute, 55th minute, 56, 58, 62, 
81. Game over. As soon as Vasquez comes off, there are no more highlights. That's it. Game over. Have a nice day. See you later. There's one in the 81st where Cabral got a pinballed ball that sort of bounced in front of the goal and he was super tight angle on it and, you know, shuffled it towards the front of goal. The Galaxy aren't scoring goals because they're not finishing their chances, but they're not creating chances. Um, and for me, Jovalich starting this game, Kevin, was great. I thought he was uh, as perfect as a nine up there is really you could ask. He got in some good positions. He put people in good positions of plays off the ball. He made intelligent runs. And with Vasquez on the field, they found him. Um, that's not something that we've seen throughout this entire stretch. Um, and if the well, Galaxy are going to try to, you know, depend on a 36-year-old Victor Vasquez, then they have huge problems. That's that's a big problem. Yeah, and they're two, you know, you talk about the squad rotation. They're two designated players are older than God. They can't play five games in two weeks. Victor Vasquez has had injury problems, and he's an older player. That, to me, goes back to one thing that I've talked about and thought about a lot this year is I think this team is just poorly constructed. You know, they spent $11 million on their attackers, in the most expensive uh, combination of forwards in the league, it's I like, believe. It's like $12 right? million. It's like 12, yeah. 12 something. But yes, but the top. It's the most expensive, mm-hmm. yeah. And they have a pretty good defense at times. I mean, I told you before I was a little agnostic. I, I, I don't think they're that as bad as they are. They have played the last three games, but I don't think they're as good as they were at the beginning of the season. So Nick, a little Nick, bit. In the Nick middle. Depew had a lot to do with the bad defense on on yes, Sunday yes, he against, did. Yeah. against Houston. As Houston was going forward, you saw his back a lot um, when he was trying to chase somebody down. Um, but I, I think the team is poorly constructed, and and Greg has finally hit on that where he talked about they, they need to get a midfielder uh, in the next transfer window. Don't say it though. Don't talk about that. It makes me. It makes it makes because I have to deal with everybody who's going to say whenever Greg says, "Oh, we need a defensive midfielder." I have to deal with everybody over here going, "What is he looking at?" And I agree. By the way, he should be looking at a central attacking midfielder. He should be looking at a cam, and he keeps well, talking about a defensive midfielder. Well, but yes, let's continue. start this rumor with Mbappe coming back to PSG. <laughs> I think that opens up Messi could be on his way out. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, could but he, he needs a midfielder, and I, and I think some of us saw this at the, at the beginning of the season. We were hoping Vasquez might be able to play a little bit more. Yeah, I just think the team is poorly constructed, and Greg said some interesting things afterwards. He talked about how the team tries to be a little bit too pretty. They want to play the beautiful game. I don't know if that was an attack at at, at Costa or not. He said they want to try to play the beautiful uh, was, game. They're always I, making. I think it was an attack at, at Alvarez. I think that that's absolutely 100%. that would be good too. Yeah, but he talked about them wanting to play the beautiful game and wanting to make that extra pass and not wanting to suffer, not wanting to 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 grind out wins. He said sometimes you have to win ugly, but we we have to what we do. Gal, you know, Greg saying the galaxy has to do right now is just win. Period. However they do it. Here, here I, 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 I I don't. I have that audio. Ahead. Let me play that audio because I think that's a that's a good good part of this. So here's Greg Vanny after the game talking about winning, uh, winning nice, uh, and that that's unacceptable. Here it is. There, this group and the message in that group is we can play nice and lose games is unacceptable. We have to we have to find the ugly and the fight and the competitive side and the and the killer instinct to to win games to take what can be nice moments of soccer and turn them into real uh, winning soccer, which is which is the hard nasty work that gets done in front of the goal. Who wants to get on the end of things in front of the goal? And who's going to run hard and and that that's the discussion with us and. And asking everybody to step up and be the best version of themselves and to take that responsibility. And that's, uh, you know, they're with it. They're with that. It was a great conversation quickly as a group after. And we know we have a quick turnaround with a big, uh, a big ask for the next couple of days. But when you're in this moment and your rival in a knockout game is in front of you, 
uh, it asks a big question for you to, to turn around and find that fight real fast, um, which uh, I think the guys were all a little embarrassed with the outcome today, and uh, there's an opportunity in a couple of days to, to come out and put out a, a, real, a real battle. There you go. Well, a couple of things about that. He, we're not at the Guillermo Barroscalero stage yet where he would come into every press conference after a loss and talk about all the things he told the team that they that they ignored. It was always, I had the beautiful game plan and they didn't pay any attention to me. Right. There is beginning to develop a pattern where after a loss, Greg will come in and say something like you just said. Um, and and it, you just wonder, why isn't the message getting through? If, if you know this and it's so simple and that's all it takes, why is that message not getting through? Why are the people not... They, they don't have it, the players. I mean, you know that. That's why they don't have the players to do it. I mean, I think that they expected that Efrain Alvarez would be a player that they could rely on to, to be a creator with Victor Vasquez. And I asked Victor afterwards, and it, in a way, it's an unfair question. It's not unfair that I asked it, but it's unfair that you anybody would expect that Victor Vasquez would tell the absolute truth on that. Because I said, hey, Victor, whenever you're not on the field, we see you creating. Whenever you're not on the field, who's creating? Who can create? And he's like, oh, well, of course, we have plenty of players. We have Efrain, we have Douglas, we have Ryan, we have Marky, you know, all these. He's listing off all these people. I'm like, no, they can't. We've seen it. Um, and we've looked you at called, that. You called him Marky, by the way. No, that's what Victor said. Victor, okay, okay, right. I well, was Victor's in He's in the dressing room with the guy every day. He should know his name. Yeah, I'm just saying Victor has known him long enough to be able to call him Marky. I don't know why this is so hard to do. Like the guys who call him Marky are guys who have known him since he was a little tiny wee thing and they get to say it. Me, I will call him Mark. Um, so anyway, yes, that was that was the whole deal. But I mean, that's the bottom line is you listen, Cabral is not going to create for you. He's a runner on the outside and he's supposed to be a finisher. The Galaxy don't have any. Grant Sir doesn't get enough crap from people and i don't understand why he was in this game he had one good shot um it was a good shot too by the way but it was also from a corner kick and nobody decided to mark him and so alvarez just passed him the ball in the box and he took one touch and he ripped it with his right foot and it was saved by clark clark made a couple good saves um but the bottom line is they don't have anybody who's scoring right now and it's not just the scoring problem it's the creation problems who's creating these chances who is the team leader in assist Raheem Edwards, right? Still. And outside back. Now, yeah. I understand in today's soccer, the outside backs push up. I get it. I understand that. But when you're outside back, lead your team in assist, that is probably not a good sign for your midfield. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I, again, I, I usually don't have a problem with it. But if Sam Grancier was supposed to be brought in as a winger and he's, let's say he's not the, everybody says, you know, he should be the starter. Okay, then prove it. Show me why you should be the starter because right now you're not scoring goals and you're not assisting. You know, tell Cabral, same thing. Tell me why you should be in there. You know, you do something nobody else does, which is you have some straight line speed and you're able to get in behind, but nobody's going to play you the ball. So I don't why I don't know why you really care. Jovalich, a great example. Put him in some good spots and he got an okay chance at a couple of them, but he was created like almost as a provider a little bit on the night. But how many times did they play the ball into his feet with his back to goal all the time? That's not the place you put him in. The LA Galaxy are missing the players to accomplish their game plan. And maybe that's on Greg Vanny, right? We I am of the opinion that Greg Vanny created most of this team right now, right? I will say we'll say that, you know, certainly I know that Klein and Karofsky are going to blame him if everything goes wrong. You know Greg's going to get blamed. Doesn't matter whether they and, force and Costa on him or they'll take credit if this team is playing into this, into November. Yeah. Yeah. Klein and, and Yova. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, by the way, somebody says Grand Sir doesn't get a lot of crap because he isn't a DP and at least this seems to play hard. Cabral runs harder than Grand Sir most of the time. Grand Sir doesn't make his smarter runs and he doesn't play as good a defense, 
All right. Grand Sur is more dangerous on the side. And by the way, Grand Sur is making $900,000, $900,000. Kevin Cabral's making 1.6. The differences there are not grand in the whole thing. And Cabral's Seer. a young uh, Grand Sur. Did I say? No, oh, grand. You said that. Yeah, no, the grand. grand. Yeah. <laughs> no. So bottom line is ultimately up to a certain point, how much you're making, especially the guys in the middle of that roster don't matter as much to me. It's, it's who's going to play right now because everybody says, we'll start somebody else. Do something different. Tell me what Greg needs to do different. Besides maybe go to a 3-5-2, which Galaxy really haven't shown a lot of success in, or a 4-4-2. Why would you, what, why would you go to a 3-5-2 and load up your midfield when you don't have a midfield to start with? <laughs> I think maybe you go to a 5-0-5. Why is Greg, though, and, and this was one of the things, there's a couple things going on here um, that we sort of have to break down. And the, the whole defensive midfielder thing from Greg Vanny is not new, right? He said, oh, well, I think we need a true defensive midfielder because he wants to free up Mark Delgado. Is he trying to tell me? It feels like he's trying to tell me that, that Mark Delgado is a 10 then, is, is a playmaker, is a guy who is going to be able to link up and make those plays and make those passes. And they're asking him to Greg. He says, we're asking him to sit back more. But does Delgado feel like the playmaker the LA Galaxy are missing? Does he does he never, ever float into those spots ever, Kevin, in, in, in any game? So he's not like, wouldn't you think that if you were a true 10 or a true playmaker or a guy who links up that on occasion you will get yourself out of position to link up and play through people, right? I mean, you would be like, hey, this is my chance. I'm going to get forward. I'm going to show everybody that I can link up. We haven't seen that. Well, and we, have, and we don't know what they're doing in training, but to the point in, in, in the chat room or the, the, the message you got about the salaries, you know, one guy at DP, we expect more from him. Yeah, you should. You and I have had this conversation a lot over the years where the payroll is what the payroll is. And if you put all your DPs on the bench and you win, it's still the same payroll. Right. If all your DPs play and you lose, it's still the same payroll. But having said that, it is a league with a salary cap. And it is a league that is very difficult to, to win in because of the, the financial rules. And so that's why I go back to, again, $12 million for your attackers and you have 13 goals and, and you've been shut out four times. Um, that, that, you know, so put Chicharito on the bench. I don't think he's the problem, but I'm just saying put all the DPs on the bench and put the backups on. Uh, they're not going to score. Uh, you would guess they're not going to score. That's why they're backups. But um, something needs to be done because you're spending a lot of money for attackers and they're not attacking. I was listening to some analysis on the Galaxy and somebody was saying, hey, you know, the Galaxy just need to wait for some of those bad contracts to go away. And I'm like, how can you sit there and say that with a straight face that the Galaxy have bad contracts? They need? It may be true, but the bottom line is they put these contracts in place for these seasons, right? This isn't like, oh, well, I got saddled with a bad contract. No, no, no. You gave a bad contract. That's what happened. And so to sit there and say, well, you just have to wait out some of these bad contracts. It seems false. And we haven't even gone to Douglas Costa. And it's almost not fair to talk about Chicharito or Cabral or Douglas Costa in this game because they came into a game. And as soon as Victor Vasquez went out, I'm like, well, the game's over. I mean, it has been over, by the way. It has been over. It was 2-0. The Galaxy got scored on whenever they had 10 men on the field because Sega Koulibaly came off. By the way, the biggest issue of this whole game is Sega Koulibaly getting injured because the Galaxy do not have an answer. Uh, for that, he's being evaluated. We don't know whether or not it's serious or whether or not he'll be available for Wednesday or whether or not he'll be available or whether they're going to shut him down for the break. Sasha Kleshin shut down for the break, it seems like right now, um, with his hip flexor. And Eric Zavaleta has a groin issue. All right. So that, that break, by the way, is a big deal because you, you've got one league game in this U.S. Open Cup, which, again, I think, you know, I, I know you're going to tell me I'm wrong, but I think you approach this game differently if you're playing San Jose, yes. even if it's still a quarterfinal. Mm -hmm. This game is going to be a, is much bigger because of who they're playing. And 
you know, uh, if, if Sega has any problem at all, I hope they don't play him in this game. I know the temptation is going to be there. Don't play him in this game. Don't play him over the weekend. Let him rest. He gets a, a full month off and misses one league game. Yeah. That's pretty huge. Yeah, there's 20 but, There's twenty days between the, the Austin game and the uh, the game against, uh, I forget who it's against. Actually, I have the schedule here. But the next game in June, it's like June 18th or something so, like that. So if he doesn't play this week, then he gets a full month off to recovery. When do you get a full month off in the middle of a season? Yep. You know, that, that never happens. I think they're being very smart with Kleshton. But you're right. I mean, w- with Eric Zabaleta out and you need some help at center back, we found that out, you know, in, in the game with Houston. If Sega can't go or if Sega is kind of on the on the bubble, then Depew, the Depew starts Houston. again. Yeah, but Depew's going to start again. I mean, that's the whole thing. And I think you would have to. And, and that was a huge problem against Houston. Uh, Depew's poor defending and his poor man marking and getting dribbled through cost Sega trying to come over and help him all the time. And when he did that, you saw the defense collapse two or three times um, against Houston. You know, I, I'm going to say this and I'll be I'll be fine. I don't take I'll, I'll take the hits. The two goals that Houston scored in the second half were absolute goal. Goal of They 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 were so good. Golosos. They were so but it doesn't matter. They were so good. <laughs> um, yes, there could have been more pressure on the first one. The second one was a good move. And I'm amazed that anybody hit it from that sharp of an angle and was able to roof it over bond. Um, the big problem is the first goal that they gave up, right? It was Edwards cheating forward and then the LA Galaxy giving the ball up. And it's Efrain Alvarez trying to thread a pass into Jovalich that Jovalich couldn't come back and get in time. The ball gets picked off and they play it in behind Edwards because Edwards is moving up the field. We saw the same thing against Julian Araujo a couple games ago where Julian Araujo left too early, got up the field, and there's a counterattack and it comes in behind him, right? Those are the mistakes. But then on that one, Bond kicks the, uh, you know, he basically makes the save and he kicks it straight out into the center. Right. He can't do that. I know it's sort of this like weird change up where you don't expect the guy's going to hit it right at you, Kevin, because he has the whole goal. Right. And so it's sort of like you're almost handcuffed whenever the ball gets hit right at you. But Bond has to do better. Bond hasn't played well in the last probably three or four games, um, maybe even longer. We've seen a dip in his form, his distribution being put under a lot more pressure. Teams are smarter about it. They are pressuring him more. Um, And then the LA Galaxy playing out of the back have caused themselves some problems. If you're going to play out of the back, you're going to have problems on occasion. The LA Galaxy are getting burned by them. Um, and they should have been burned two or three other times in this game as well, just trying to play in tight spaces. And the Galaxy have not done well with that. Well, and, and what you're talking about is teams making adjustments. You said that teams are not pressuring Bond, and they are because, you know, he sometimes uh, has problems under pressure. You know, a lot, a lot of this stuff explains why there's this Jekyll and Hyde personality to this team where they play really well, opponents figure out what they're doing. They start to pressure Bond. They try to force him to play out of the back. Um, he gets himself into bad situations, and he gives up seven goals in three games. The Galaxy now have to adjust back. Now that teams are doing different things with to them, they need to adjust. But the the silver lining to this really, really dark black cloud is that a victory Wednesday takes away a lot of this bad mojo. They've been booed off the field in the last two home games. Yeah, A victory over LAFC in the U.S. Open Cup. Galaxy have been... Beyond the quarterfinals, this will be a quarterfinal game. They've be the, been beyond the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open Cup just once since 2006. Right. So it would be a big deal in the U.S. Open Cup. They would be closer to actually playing for a trophy, which Greg Vanny wants to do. But, you know, so you lose to Houston, you know, and you lose, uh, you give up six goals in the last two home games. You beat LAFC. I don't think a lot of people are going to remember those last two home games. I, I mean, it helps, right? I, I will tell you this, that if we're just looking at the general uh, sort of feeling that the that LA Galaxy, she's a fan heading into LAFC, I know everybody wants to pull the panic switch 
rarely has form dictated what happens in an El Trafico. If that was the case, the LA Galaxy would have lost at Dignity Health Sports Park multiple times, like maybe three or four times whenever you look at this sort of undefeated streak. It means nothing. And it was funny. I was talking to one of the Galaxy employees after the game, um, and we were talking uh, in the TV studio, which we were down in the TV studio first time since 2020 at the beginning of the season in 2020, where we've been down underneath the you know, the stands and, and in the TV studio. So talking to Greg afterwards was in person and talking to Victor Vasquez afterwards was in person. That was different. And it was nice. And we got Greg to talk for 21 minutes, which is not something you would have happen on Zoom. Um, so Zoom alone, let's put it that way. Greg loves to talk. We know that. So there's there's time to ask him questions. There's time to sort of probe these different things that are going out there. Um, the, the, I was talking to one of the Galaxy employees afterwards and they were sort of saying, well, what do you think? Do you think this is a kick in the pants for them? You know that this is this is motivation now that they're like, we can't be this bad. And now they go into El Trafico and the whole day. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. And they're like, well, what do you mean it doesn't matter? I'm like, the form has never mattered in this game. It does not matter. Whatever happened against Houston, whatever happened against Dallas, however you want to group that in your mind and say that the LA Galaxy played bad, it does not matter going into an El Trafico. It will never matter. I don't know unless that changes sometime soon. We have never seen form dictate outcomes of these games. Um, that being said, could the Galaxy go out and, and land egg? They are perfectly capable of doing so, right? I mean, there's there, you should have zero faith in the fact that they're just going to show up and battle. But the one reason the LA Galaxy have been successful at Dignity Health Sports Park in the El Trafico is they've always been willing to suffer more than LAFC. That is the reason why they've always been able to go in there and they've always been willing to put it more on the line, break bones, risk it all. Doesn't matter. Throw it all there. Have something to prove against LAFC. So and and that's their only chance in this game heart, because if you you know, if you do one of those things where you break down, you know how they do before, like Super Bowl or whatever, break down the different the units of the team. Um, LAFC dominates everything. I mean, they have the momentum. They're winning well. Bella's back. They're, they're not. They didn't. That they are not. They do not tell me they have the momentum. They won one game against Columbus. They lost their previous two. Well, they went across the country and played in a rainstorm. Right. And, and Columbus uh, handed them a victory. Like it, that was the most toothless Columbus team I have seen in a long time. Somebody said that the LA Galaxy should go get Tim Bazpachenko, right? Who's the general manager at Columbus. And I'm like, you know, after the way that Columbus has sort of been playing the last three or four weeks, I 100% think that he would be open for a move somewhere. But yes, continue. Well, I think if you look at LAFC's front three with Brian Rodriguez yep. back in Arango and Vela, take them over over Galaxy's forwards right now. You look at the midfield with the way Acosta has been playing and seeing Fuentes. I'll I'll take the midfield. The defense has been really hard to break down. Cropot has been playing pretty good in goal. Um, you know, I, I just don't see where the Galaxy rank in, right. in any of those four departments. Right. But they've already the played heart, each other. They already played each other once, and the Galaxy beat them. Same sort of conditions. They, so I, I agree. They did, but the Galaxy were in a di much different spot then. The Galaxy were not coming off two two home games where they were booed off the field. They were not coming off three games where they gave up seven goals. They were not coming off. Uh, uh, one goal in what the, in their last three games, they were it was they were in a much better position. Yeah. But like I said, you said the form doesn't matter. It doesn't. I agree. Yeah. And if they win this game as bad as they're playing, they have one more with Austin. Who that's a toss up because uh, it's at home. I, I just think that this game could give them a little bit of a skip in their step heading into the break. And it, you don't want to go in that break having lost four in a row. No, no. And and listen, when we're looking at just the, the overall depths that the LA Galaxy have reached, they really haven't reached any depths. You're just not happy with the way they're playing right now. There's some pretty short. They're winless in their last three. They were winless in nine 
in 2022. Now, or in 2021, Windless and Nine starts with Windless and Three. I will, I'll agree with that, right? I mean, that's a, that's an easy one to sort of say. You're like, okay, I get it. You could, you could be heading in that direction. But I'll also say this: so the LA Galaxy have given up uh, 14 goals so far this year. Yep. Right? That's seven in the last three games. Yeah, nine of those goals came in three games. Right. So when the LA Galaxy lose, right, and whenever they're playing some good teams, they tend to they tend to get blown out. Dallas, I think, is a good team. I don't know about Houston. Houston, listen. The expected goals to for this game was actually fairly even. Houston had a little bit of edge on that, was just barely even, just to show you how outrageous the two goals they scored in the second half were. Uh, that left foot cut back and hitting it from about, you know, let's see, 18, 22, 22 yards out with a left foot. Um, I would have liked Grant Sir to step up and push a little bit after he had tracked back, but he just made a long run. Uh, Edwards had to stay because there was an overlap on the outside, so he couldn't go chase him. Uh, maybe Mark Delgado could have come across and gotten some pressure on it as well, but he was also running back and had just stopped whenever there was the cut back and sort of coming in. And when you cut back like that after everybody's running, it tends to freeze a defense. So they froze, and then he unleashes a ridiculous left foot. And then that that third goal, the the short angle little step over on Derek Williams right after Derek Williams had sort of come into the game for Sega Koulibaly and did that whole thing. Um, it's a great goal, too. I mean, those are things. The Galaxy have been in those exact positions. And in fact, they were in the exact positions on both in both those and didn't even get shots off, which is another problem um, for me. So, you know, Clutchin said after the Houston game that he liked the fact that they could come out and play after, you know, a couple days later because you oh, get those, to go that was back Dallas, and, after Dallas, after Dallas he, uh, to redeem yourself, you know, go out and redeem yourself. That's the situation the Galaxy are in now. There's a perfect chance for redemption. They're at home in front of the fans that just booed them playing their arch rival from, you know, 11 miles away. This is the perfect situation. And again, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in the mental side of the game. If they win this game, I think they go into the break feeling better, regardless of what happens with Austin. If they lose this game and then potentially lose the Austin game or don't win, draw, right. they take they go into 20 days without a game, uh, just practicing, without a chance to redeem themselves. That, that's going to be way heavy on a lot of guys, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it always does, right? And it's just, I don't know. There's so many, I am of the belief that the LA Galaxy team that got rotated and played through the first 55 minutes or so was an okay team. They got they allowed one goal, um, which was a bad goal to allow them. They sh maybe they could have allowed more, but they should have scored two or three as well. Um, the, for me, the Efrain Alvarez experiment is over. And, you know, yes, you can certainly criticize me as a hypocrite as I sit there and say the Cabral one isn't. Um, I've been waiting for Efrain Alvarez. This is his year. We actually, in a group te text, there's a hashtag called this is his he this is his year, and it's all related to Alvarez, and it's been going on for like multiple years now. This is his year. But when you watch him consistently run around his right foot over and over and over again, there's problems. When you watch him consistently dribble out of bounds, which is my favorite thing he does, um, there are problems. He's making, what, six or $700,000 now? It's not a small amount. Right? And it's a long-term deal. And, and it is, right? But the LA Galaxy, ultimately, he is one of the tradable assets they have, or at least he will be a tradable asset uh, if they decide to trade him now. If they wait any longer, then he will be an untradable asset. Uh, there's still the Mexican national team links and all those fun things. So, you, so for me, Alvarez is a problem. Uh, Cabral is a problem because you need to get something out of a young DP. I am still the belief that eventually one day, sometime he's going to get it all together. I, I, I know there's no reason for me to believe that I am. I, I, I see too much stuff and I see what the coaching staff is, but bottom line, the plug is going to get pulled, you know, sooner rather than later whenever that all happens. But he's also a long-term contract, right? Grand Sear, uh, making $900,000. 
does relatively little for the LA Galaxy. He plays hard. I like it. He's sort of like Ramon Alessandrini in a way, uh, which he plays really hard. He's just missing all the finishing that Ramon Alessandrini does. Um, and from his position and his ability to cut inside, I would like to see more goals from him. Uh, you know, Leardam had, the, I think, one of the highest percentage shots in this game as well. Kicked it right at Steve Clark. Alvarez had the one where he has his left foot on it. But quite honestly, if he just lets that ball run across him to the right hand side, it's unlikely Clark can get to the near post in time in order to save that whenever um, Jovalich played him in um, back behind the goal. So, you know, I, Ryan Revelison has been on Greg Vanny's radar as not doing enough. Uh, and you can see him being frustrated. I think out of everybody so far, Greg Vanny is more frustrated with Revelison more than anybody else. Well, what, what do you think that is? Do you think that he, last year he seemed to be, be one of the, the players that I thought was more steady than yeah. a lot of guys. And I think it maybe has a lot to do with he's not really sure what his role is. And it's, again, that unsettled midfield. Is Marky the guy that's pushing up? Is Mark. he the guy that's pushing up? Is someone's... Uh, yeah, I know. Ye yellow card for you. Yes. Yeah, that was correct. No, you no, showed yourself a yellow card. Oh, no, no, you got you got a straight red. Then. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not going to happen. Go. There we go. Straight red. Um, maybe Revelson doesn't know what he's supposed to do. I mean, there is. I mean, whenever Greg goes on about a defensive midfielder and talks about that, there is a hint that for some reason that he thinks he's playing Delgado out of position and Revelson out of position. I don't know if I believe in that, but there's something to that. Um, but I also don't think that putting what, I mean, how many midfielder, how, what, who else is, so you're going to get another defensive midfielder and okay. So Alvarez doesn't play anymore. I mean, I'm trying to figure out who the LA galaxy's best starting 11 is right now. If you ha can put any lineup on the field right now, Chicharito starts, right? If you, if you're only going to play yes. one forward, if you're only going to play one forward, Chicharito starts. But I wouldn't, but I wouldn't. Okay. You, you, anyway. you would play Yovelich and Chicharito together in a four, four. Yes, team. I would. Okay. So you have four midfielders that make up. So give me your four midfielders. Are, are you going to put Revelison and Delgado into the holding spots? Yes, I, but I would, I would explain to what, what I want each of them to do. Okay, okay. I would that, give that them a specific help. mission. That doesn't help, I don't think. But okay, so you're going to put them there. So then who's on your left wing if you're going to do Is it Grand Sear or is it Cabral? I think you, I, I would rotate them. I would... It okay. would be like a platoon position, then and then I would use a cost on the on the other side. So Douglas Costa would be on the right hand side. So there you go. Yeah. So so you don't have any playmaker on that field. Congratulations, good job. You have the well, same no, problem the LA Galaxy have right now. Mark Marky, Del, Mr. Delgado, uh -huh. would be my playmaker. I would have Revelison be back as a traditional holding midfielder, and I would have uh, Mark Delgado be the point guard, the guy bringing the ball up and trying to 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 start the offense. By the way, I wouldn't have Chicharito and and and. Dayon play side by side. Okay. I think I would drop Dayon back, and he'd probably be outside the box. That, that would be that would be wrong. That would be wrong too, because Chicharito's the one who plays better with his back to goal and drops in and creates plays. So I mean, the one your one chance you had at creating a playmaker, and that was having <laughs> Chicharito drop deep and come into there and lead for Dayon, who likes to lead on the front line more. So I, I listen. I I still think Chicharito's a poacher, and when he's at his best, his most absolutely he will poaching. be in the box. Don't worry, he'll be there whenever it all breaks down because he's going to dish and then he's going to run in. That's sort of how he works, right? We've seen that over and over again. Um, but no, I mean, it, it, so and then the back line. Let's just finish it off. It's Raheem Edwards, and then it's Derek Williams, and it's uh, Sega Koulibaly, and it's Julian Araujo on the right hand side, and then it's is it Jonathan? Someone named Jonathan. It's no, someone named Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, but I mean, the, the, those are the issues that I think the LA Galaxy have right now. And as much as you want to, you know, whine and complain on Twitter, and I see it all. And by the way, not my fault. I don't make the LA Galaxy lose. Stop blaming me. All right. Um, there seems to be a real, it's always my favorite thing is that as soon as the Galaxy start losing, it's the media's fault. 
Um, and it's like we asked questions every single week and we asked questions about I asked Greg why he thinks there's a difference between the home mentality and the and the away mentality and whether or not there, he thinks there's a thing. He says, absolutely, there's a thing. Well, no, really, because we all can see there's a thing. Duh. There was a reason somebody asked him about the positions in the midfield again. The whole reason that there's a question is that there is there was a conversation that was had that Greg Vanny sort of was talking about. And I, I think he was uh, and. I can share this, that there's an acknowledgement in general that Costa and Alvarez can't be your playmakers. And I think that's where people are saying, oh, well, then he realizes then he needs a central attack midfielder too. Well, no, that's not what he said. So I'm telling you, I, I, I got I got the relay. I know what he said. He said that he doesn't believe that, you know, long term Costa and Alvarez can be the playmakers, can be that guy that's sort of set around. Right. It's like, OK. So that means Alvarez has to go to the bench because Costa will play out on the wing. Okay, so now you have that. So then everybody says, well, that means you need a central attacking midfielder. No, that's not what Greg Vanny is saying. Greg Vanny is saying he wants to move Delgado forward and get a defensive midfielder. By moving Delgado forward, he thinks he has the playmaker there. That's, well, I, I just said that. I want Marky yeah, to play forward I know. and Revelison to play back. Yeah, I think you're both wrong. I mean, go back and look <laughs> at his playing time at Toronto. I don't think Delgado was a playmaker. You you realize that Greg Vanny has won an MLS Cup, right? Yeah. As a manager. Does 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 Greg Vanny know that I've watched three MLS Cups in person? <laughs> like I would just actually that's not true. I've watched four MLS Cups in person, right? So I mean, I also have experience. I don't I don't <laughs> agree with him in this that the answer to all their problems right now in creation is Victor Vasquez. Okay, that's great until you realize that Victor's 35, 36 years old and that he can't play and. I was I even asked him because I think Damien asked him how he was feeling, if he was feeling good. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I feel good. And, you know, it sucks to come back. But he didn't really talk about it enough. And I'm like, but you feel fine. Like and I was trying to say, can you go 90 minutes? Because the galaxy needs you to go 90 minutes. Right. That's that's the thing that needs to happen. Victor Vasquez can't come off the field right now. And until the LA Galaxy figure out who else is going to be that playmaker, who's going to be that creator, they're going to be stuck in the same thing. And they're putting a lot of pressure on their defense. And. There's a difference in this home and away mentality. Why are they more successful right now on the road, Kevin? Why, if, if I said the LA Galaxy are more successful on the road right now, which the numbers prove out, why are they more successful on the road? Because those guys love the hotel points. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, their, it's their Starwood points, right? They, 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 get, feel, they feel good when they get those points. They look at their they, budget, at their, they, uh, at their account, and they go, let's go. They're like, they're like, my wife and I, after the season, we are going to go hit up some nice places in like Cabo, maybe Vancouver. You know, they're going to get around a little bit. Um, the reason the LA Galaxy are, so, are, are more successful on the road, I won't say so successful, but more successful is because they're sitting there and they grind out Things. They know it's going to be a grind. They know it's going to be difficult. So they sit there and go, okay, we're going to be stingy. That's why the games don't look good. That's why the LA Galaxy go out there and they grind out against Minnesota and they finally earn a penalty kick, which by the way, if Vasquez is on the field, they probably would create more chances and actually score a goal before that. But they, they create that. Sasha Kleshin comes on, helps create a penalty kick, all that fun stuff that happens. Penalty kick, the LA Galaxy score. And then, you know, then what do they do? They, they give up a defensive side on the other side with technically down to 10 men, which is a, which is a, uh, an interesting thing that happened twice in two games where the LA galaxy get odd manned on the field, um, for a goal. So that's why they have that mindset that they want to be, as Greg would say, you know, sort of, uh, getting down and dirty and doing the dirty work and being, you know, stingy with everything and not giving things up and not trying to win the game in the first 15 minutes when they come at home, it's not the case. And you can see it. Um, I'm not going to use the Houston, game as an example because I think Depew's 
issue on defending costly LA Galaxy a lot in that game. Um, and so I'm less worried about the defense, but I don't like the individual mistakes that we have been seeing that have been leading to very easy clear-cut chances for other teams. And that's part of the midfield being smarter in where they're going and, and also the outside backs being a little bit smarter. But I do think it works much better. It, whether you want to bring in another guy you think Greg's right or wrong, telling Ravellison and Delgado, this is what I want you to do, Well, I mean, would help. Yes, yes, but you, okay, then that assumes that Greg Vanny is not telling them what to do right now. Well, they're not playing like they know what they're supposed to be doing. Did, did you? What did he say about the defense, mids, or, the defense or, or that midfield? He said, hey, you know, we've tried a bunch of things. We tried elevating Delgado a little bit further. We tried to double pivot. We've tried a bunch of different things in order to do it. In all cases, Kevin, they were given a game plan of which to execute and been told what to do. So, you know, yes, Victor Vasquez says whenever he came out, and this is a, a good line to use, which is it's not the coach's fault. They put us, they gave us a game plan and we need to execute that right now. And that seems to be the problem, which is how do, and, and I think Greg is trying to make little adjustments right now. I'm not saying they're working um, because the only adjustment, by the way, I can solve everybody's problems. Just clone Victor Vasquez and have him be like five or six years younger and not a problem. LA Galaxy will be just fine. Um, yeah, when did when did you guys get married? I know it's <laughs> because it's so obvious. Just go back and watch the last two games when Vasquez is on the field. The LA Galaxy create chances when he's not. They don't. It was dead, Kevin. Everybody should be upset with the way that game finished, but it has less to do. Well, see, this is the problem. I'll say it has less to do with the three DPS and and totally has to do with who was the creator. But you also have Douglas Coston, who should be a creator, and you also have Efrain Alvarez, who went crickets over there as soon as Vasquez went off the field and you also have guys like Kevin Cabral who should be able to stretch and create some chances from that right hand side right and you also have Chicharito which if you can ever get him in a spot I mean why you look at Chicharito coming to that game and it was like oh why even bother why even bother putting him out on the field because there was nothing there well you, you know you talk about uh, finding out what Costa can and can't do I, you know, it, during the winter, I got tipped off that the Galaxy were about to sign costs, and I got the chance to uh, talk to Vanny before the hype train, when the hype train was still in the station. You know, it, it, they were still in the beginning stages, but I asked him why he liked Costa because, again, I'm agnostic on Costa too. You know, he's 32 years old, he's been hurt a lot. Greg was uh, just, oh my God, he he was over the moon, almost like you and Vasquez. He was talking about all the things that Costa can do. He can play anywhere. He can do anything. He really had high hopes. I think he really felt like this guy was going to be a game changer. Uh, and I just don't think he found a place do, to play. Certainly not the playmaker they thought he would be. Do you think, and this is always the question, because the Yellow Galaxy are, are playing this obfuscation obs game, which is we're not going to tell you who's in charge but we're going to pretend it's Greg Vanny. But do you think Greg Vanny pulled the trigger on Douglas Costa? Do you think he was the one who said, no, okay, no, no. And I'll say that because I think Greg, if, if he's not Greg Vanny was very convincing. He, he, he really made it seem like this was the guy, this was the guy of his dreams, but the galaxy have this history after Lightwicky left, Bruce still there. And, and the new management comes in with Beckerman and Chris Klein taking a little bit more of a, of a stepped up role. We know, we know for a fact in talking to people that the Bruce and Sarakin and that group did not want Gio. He was brought in for public relations reasons. They did not want Gerard. He was brought in to sell jerseys. There were a number of players that were brought in during that time that those guys did not want, and management forced them on them. Um, the same management is here, different coach, same management. I'm not, I, I have no evidence that say that, that Costa was someone that somebody else wanted to bring in, but he's not working the way the coach thought he would work. And we know that there's this history here and that the same people that did Gio and Gerard are still here. 
you know, it, it's possible. I, it certainly hasn't worked out the way he wanted to. And by the way, before we get too far away from the Minnesota game, Kalishin takes the penalty right. kick, which is good. He's taking penalty kicks before. I don't have a problem with that, except was Chicharito still on the field? Because yeah. when, you're, when your striker is struggling, don't you try to get him a goal? I mean, wouldn't that have been an opportunity where Chicharito steps up, takes that penalty kick, and maybe wakes himself up? Yes, except Chicharito sucks at penalty kicks. So that's that's one of those where it's like, I, I don't have a problem. Chicha's not a penalty kick guy. It's just, it's not say, his thing. Say it to his face. He knows. He knows. Say, you could oh, say it. That was, yeah. I was talking with somebody about this, and they're like, you know, it's, it's whenever we're asking questions, we're always trying to do it. So it's like, it's tough to do it without assigning blame yourself, right? As a, a reporter, I try to stay away from that as well, which is like, well, Greg, Nick DePew really sucked tonight. You know, I don't like doing that. That's leading too much, right? It's like, hey, Greg, what did you think of Nick DePew's game tonight? And then he can tell you what he thought of it, and he can figure out how he wants to coach, approach that, right? That's how, that's how you do it. But I, I'm also always of the opinion, these guys know. They know who played well and who didn't play well. They watched the same game. They saw the thing. Rarely do you have a guy who you're like, hey, I mean, listen, I've seen it happen, and I know who does it a lot, and I also know that it ticks players off whenever they do it. But I've seen pe- players be like, no, I thought he was fine. You know, the whole deal. Sasha Kleshen said something about, you know, uh, Chase Gasper after the Minnesota game, because um, I think, was it the Minnesota game wherever he got burned a little bit? Um, anyway, it was, it was a whole thing. And he goes, listen, Chase knows that he needs to be better. Um, it wasn't the Minnesota game it was the Dallas game. It was Dallas yeah, game. Yeah. He was, he, and he said, you know, Chase knows he needs to be better. He goes, but you know what? He's just coming back. He's just getting in. He goes, that's our guy. And we're going to back him. Right. You know, he goes, I'm not going to th- basically Sasha's like, I'm not going to throw him under the bus right now. Um, there was another interesting thing about Chicha though. Uh, and something we learned. So after the game, uh, on the broadcast, Spectrum Sports and I had it, Nikki was talking to uh, Chicharito after the game. And if you've listened to that audio, if not, you can go on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Uh, we have that press conference up. Um, so that way you can watch that. It's Greg Vanny, it's Vizcar Vasquez, and then it's Chicharito. And they pulled the uh, the video from Spectrum so that way we could have it. So it's all there. You can listen to Chicharito. And Chicharito was calling people out, basically saying, you know, this is embarrassing. We can't do this. We need to be better. We need to be better. We need to have a, a killer mentality. All the things that he should say. The interesting thing was is that um, Spectrum had requested that Mark Delgado come talk to them after the game, right? And the reason was that Chicha had played, you know, the last 30 minutes or so. Nothing really had to happen. A lot of times we don't ask for subs unless there was something happened. Otherwise you sort of want to talk to the guy who played either all 90 minutes or was there from the start and that type of thing. So I wouldn't have requested Chicharito either, but, um, they, they requested Mark Delgado. Well, apparently Chicharito asked who was going to go over and do the TV hit afterwards. And Chicharito goes, who's doing it? And they're like, Oh, well, Mark's going to do it. And he was like, no, I'm doing it. And that wasn't like, hey, I don't want Mark to get press coverage because I think some people will take it that way. Oh, man, Chicharito is just hogging all the press coverage. That wasn't it. The reason he went over to do it was because he wanted to send a message and he wanted to send a message out to the fans and he wanted to send a message out to all the players. He did that on purpose, right? And so I think there's always this question mark about how much of a leader Chicharito is. Um, That's him going and saying, I'm going to send a message to the fans and the players that this is unacceptable and that we need to get better and it all needs to get better, right? There he is. Okay, he he likes you better now. Yeah, he's, no, he's, I mean, give you. I mean, but that, that's something there. Listen, this is all, of course, put uh, put next to a a worldview, Kevin, of Zlatan Ibrahimovic winning uh winning winning Syria with uh, AC Milan, right? And there was a speech after that where Zlatan said, you know, nobody believed in us and we did it together and the whole deal. It was very much a leadership te- leadership role, and everybody's like, oh, and you know, the LA Galaxy couldn't handle Zlatan, and here he did it, you know, in Milan with a young team, and he's, they sort of bought into it. So 
that's all juxtapositioned against each other. None of this stuff happens in a vacuum when it does. But this is the type of Chicha, uh, leader that Chicha is. He's like, I'm going to take the heat. I will go talk. And also, Zlatan said uh, that Efrain Alvarez was the best player in MLS. So let's... Uh, that's a strike against Zlatan. What does Zlatan yeah, know, let, right? Let, let, let's not forget that. By the way, the way that you approach those questions afterwards is the wise way, and it's the smart way, and here's why. You know, fans want to come in and say, oh my God, Efrain Alvarez had a horrible game. You go into a press conference and you say, man, your quarterback sucked today. He, you know, he only completed half his passes. You don't know the wide receiver fell down and ran the wrong pattern. There's some things that we don't know. And we're never so going to know, yeah. And maybe Efrain Alvarez had a bad game, or maybe the guys that were supposed to rotate around him were not in the right position. He was stuck on no man's land, had nowhere to pass the ball. We don't know all this stuff. That's why when you ask the question, what did you think of Efrain? Yeah. And then you get the answer of, see, yeah, yeah, we know when they're blowing smoke. We know when, yeah. like, I didn't see anything wrong with him. Okay, it, it was, it was like watching a different it, game. It was like Victor Vasquez, whenever I asked him, who's going to create when he's not on the field? I knew the answer he was probably going to give. But what if the answer is, you know what, you're right. We need to get better at that. You know, Efra's not doing his job, blah, 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 the whole deal. Maybe he decides that that's a point. Victor decided not to take that. But I know, listen, there's some really smart people on this team. You know when they know things, right? Victor Vasquez knows what's going on. He knows he's the only creator out there. Greg Vanny knows it right now, too, right? He's trying to manufacture another creator somewhere, um, however that ends up doing it. By the way, you know, if Greg really wants a, a defensive mid, get somebody like, you know, once Carlos Harvey is set, then put Harvey next to Ravellis and move Delgado forward. Show me that you you can at least get something out of that that shows me that you're correct, like almost as a test before you're going to go out there and get a defensive midfielder. The other argument for Vanny is that with 1.6 million, which is what we expect, a max tan player, right? Can you get the type of game changing player that you need on the world market for $1.6 million? Probably not, right? As in terms of a central attacking midfielder, right? So how do you, how do you manufacture a larger hole for that? Well, Douglas, you'd have to trade somebody like Kevin Cabral or you have to trade somebody like Douglas Costa. You're not you can't buy out right now. OK, buying out is only something you can do at the beginning of the season. Technically, you can, but you don't get the roster space back or the, the salary cap space back. So you would have to have an additional six hundred and twelve thousand five hundred dollars, which is what a designated player costs against well, the salary cap in order to do some of that stuff. Let's go back to the winter when you were asking about the Costa question. And, and, you know, maybe that, that was the guy that Greg wanted all along. Certainly he talked Costa up really well. Right. Um, if, it, if it wasn't the guy he wanted, he really rehearsed those lines. I, I just thought this winter there was a lot of momentum building around Pavone. I think there was a lot of heat around that. You know, the Galaxy spent money doing do, their due diligence, checking into the court case, everything else. I felt the momentum was, was pushing for, for Pavone to come back. And if I had to guess, and again, this is a guess, I don't know. If I had to guess... I would have thought that, uh, you know, many people in the coaching staff, maybe Greg, would have preferred Pavone. He has a history here, has a history in MLS, all that kind of stuff. So what, how would this team be different? Do you think it would be better or worse with Pavone instead of Costa? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there was momentum building there, and I think they realized that they weren't going to get the the answer to those questions about the court case and everything in time. No, to they do, had right? to move on. They, yeah. I'm not arguing that they made the wrong decision. They made the right decision. But I'm just wondering if if things had worked out differently, would this be a different team? Did they maybe back off a little? I think backed off because of the court thing. But you know, did they think, well, we got you know Dayon here, and and you know the, he, th those two guys are going to be redundant, and they're both going to have long, you know, they're both young guys. They'll be around a while. Um, clearly, it was the court situation that stopped that. But do you think the Galaxy would be better with with Pavone instead of Costa? Yeah, I mean, duh. I mean, come on, okay. right? I'm just, that's, I mean, yeah, of course they would be. Um, because, and, and certainly, 
listen, I think they would still have a midfield problem, right? Which is who's going to play sort of in the center of midfield, but maybe they would put Alvarez there and it wouldn't be as big of an, a, an issue whenever you have Pavone creating from that side. I still think that they have a problem on the opposite side, which is that, you know, that Grand Seer hasn't been good um, there and that, um, and that Cabral hasn't been good whenever he's been playing. So you don't, you have to choose between those two. One of those guys gets to play, you know, Cabral's going to get the start on Wednesday based on how they rotated around things. So, you know, it's fairly certain Cabral starts. It's fairly certain Costa starts, it's fairly certain that Chicha starts. Um, so those, those guys are going to start. I think Victor Vasquez is probably going to start, even though that's tough for him to sort of recover from that. So, you know, if you don't, then you're going to put Alvarez in the center um, and try to do something with that again, which we haven't seen work. Um, you know, who could be your, your answer on the left? Uh, he's played there before, and once Gaspar can can go ninety minutes and feels good, uh, and with Leardam there, they could play Raheem Edwards as a winger. Yes, correct. he's played there before. He has. He 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 lacks a finishing touch. That's the the big knock on Edwards. I mean, to me, Edwards does a lot of good in his position, sort of getting forward and running overloads and and being able to dribble in between. But let's be honest, uh, the assists were there early. They haven't been. Um, and some of that, I think, is him trying to dribble too deep into the box now and sort of find that wonder goal that eventually he's going to hit. He's eventually going to hit one. Um, he's a defender. So, uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be exciting whenever it happens. It'll win the goal of the week or whatever it is when it happens. But the bottom line is, I don't think you expect that very often. Um, I'm still concerned about the finishing. Greg talked about the finishing and saying, hey, these guys need to be ready for one touch finishing. Uh, there were a couple one touch finishes that just weren't up to par. So that's what we get. Uh, it's funny. I was, I was doing graphics for this. Uh, I'll show everybody how I screwed up here. Um, I have the LA galaxy actually scoring a goal, um, uh, again, oh. in the Houston game, which they did not do. So it was three, nothing. Don't, don't be, don't be swayed by my horrible graphics, which I believe are up on the, uh, on YouTube as well. I really did screw that up. I put all Houston goals down there, but somehow I, I screwed up the other thing. It was a busy day. Uh, I think Ferrer was a player of the week, right? He was. The LA Galaxy just continue to make uh, Texas players' uh, careers, apparently. Ferreira also leads goals now in Major League Soccer, um, I, I believe. I believe that's true. He has nine um, now, so he's up near the top there. And he had two assists. He was player of the week, two assists as well. He played very well, very well. Very. It, it's crazy to think that, it, that Houston played a fairly dominant game and the Galaxy had 73% possession. That's crazy. And when we look at expected goals, again... The goal, they're actually pretty close. They're closer than that, by the way, because there's a round up and a round down that's happening, but roughly there. The Galaxy had 16 shots to Houston's 14. Uh, Galaxy had six shots on target, 1.3 to 1.5. The biggest chance was the Alvarez uh, chance in the box uh, for the LA Galaxy. That and the Leardam chance were the two best chances. That was the one that went right at Clark, right? Uh, that was the one Clark saved. So that was the one that got played in by Jovalich and uh, and Araujo hit it with his left foot. Um, across the goal. And I have to imagine that if he just lets that run to his right foot out wide, that he scores that pretty easily because Clark can't get to the near post in time. Um, so he sort of hits it back towards him where he's already there. The fact that Alvarez continues to run around his right foot, though, it's like it's it's getting pretty boring um, overall. I mean, that's kind of the way that's the LA Galaxy season is summed up in, in two things. And somebody somebody put this on my Twitter. It was it was one Alvarez dribbles the ball out of bounds past the touchline. And the other one was Alvarez runs around his right foot. Um, a lot of that is is where the LA Galaxy are struggling right now. I like the chance creation because I think it's been better. There was uh, somebody put in our discord uh, expected goals over the last five games across the league, right? New York City FC leads that number one, 1.96 uh, LAFC at 1.94 expected goals per 90, right? So you can keep going down through here and sort of looking the LA Galaxy are in the middle of the pack. So not horrible, um, but not great right at 1.4. 
um, 1.4 expected goals per 90 right now. And so they basically had seven, uh, seven expected goals. And they haven't scored those goals. That's the whole thing that I sort of want to get. It's not like they've scored seven goals. They haven't. They get, you know, one here, one there. Uh, they haven't been converting their chances. So I thought that was interesting. Other thing is uh, the LA Galaxy are not the worst team in Major League Soccer over the last five games. Okay, but they're not they're not one of like the good teams either. Uh, who is Kevin over the last five games? Who has the most points in Major League Soccer? New York City. No. Oh. FC Cincinnati. Wow. They have 12 points, right? They have 12 points in the last five games. Uh, Who is the worst, the two worst teams? Who, if you had to guess right now? If I had to be a guess, I'd say Vancouver and Miami. No, Chicago and Toronto over the last five games have have scored one point. Okay. Uh, The Galaxy have four points over the last five games. Um, and that means that uh, Minnesota also has four points and they are second worst in the league. So the Galaxy have not been good over their last five games. All right. Uh, what, what does it say about Bob Bradley that Toronto is struggling so much? Did he not know what he was getting into? That it, Toronto's it, a crappy team and they need to rebuild a whole bunch? I mean, that's sort of... I mean, Greg Vanny left for a reason, dude. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, he saw the writing on the wall there and he was like, that's gone. Uh, by the way, my favorite tweet so far was somebody figured out how to fix the LA Galaxy. Um, and that was just bring Todd Donovan down from Sacramento to be the, the general manager slash club president. Um, and that would fix all the things, which I, I think I'm for I'm, I'm there, right? Todd Donovan, smart guy, right? Well, it sounded like you want to, you want to replace Greg Vanny too. No, Greg gets to be head coach. He gets to stay. Okay. He's, he, he's not a GM now. He just pretends to play. He just, it's like, he slept at a holiday Inn last night. That's what Greg is doing with like the GM role. It's like, oh, I slept at a holiday Inn express last night, so I'm good. Um, no, I think I think coaches it, it, need a general I, manager. That's all. But I, I think the I think the Bradley thing, and I mean, we're not going to get into it because I, I haven't looked into it at all. But just the record, it shows how much organization matters. You know, the front office that's around you. It's just not money. It's just not you know uh, you know hiring the flavor of the week. Ooh, ooh. Bob Bradley had an organization around him yep. at, at LAFC. Bruce got one around him in New England. Bradley is the same coach that he was here. He's not doing well in Toronto. Go ahead. What was ooh ooh? I, I just remembered something else. I was having another conversation. Again, you know, I complained about sort of having to go back down to the TV studio, but they gave us tables where we could work down there. So that was kind of fun. Um, so we did that. And um, you run into people. You talk to people. You find out little things. You find I already shared a couple stories that I found out from just walking down there. Here's another story that I was sort of talking to somebody about. I was like, oh, hey, I go. So, you know, I go, what do you think about like what the galaxy are doing with analytics and numbers and that type of thing? And they're like, man, the stuff they are doing on the fitness side is crazy. Like, and they are heavily invested on the fitness side. They track everybody's movements. They know how hard they can push it in training. They understand active recoveries. They're doing all the things that all the major clubs are doing around the world, which is knowing where the physical um, limits are of every player and knowing how to help them recover. And then, you know, Greg Vandy can get a report and it says, well, these are the guys who recovered the best. And he can look at that for going up against LAFC and be like, okay, these are my guys who are probably in the best shape. Oh, this guy was going to, was on the bubble of starting. So now he's in, he's, looks like he's good and this guy isn't. So I'm going to switch that and I'm going to put that in amazing stuff. What they're doing, the, the analytics on the, the health and safety and physical recoveries is, is something that's there. And then I said, yeah, but what about like on the recruiting side? Like whenever you're going to scout players, you know, like you're supposed to have a whole department that does that too, right? That are going through analytics and trying to find undervalued players in leagues. That way you can find a central attacking midfielder for $1.6 million. That's playing somewhere in the Austrian first league in mid table. Like, you know, that's what that's and crickets, crickets, 
creates. Well, you remember the story about about how Siani got here. Ziggy had just come in. Uh, Van Dom left, if you remember. They needed a center back, and Ziggy went to the to to somebody in the front office, I guess, scouting, and said, "Where's the list of our of our center back prospects?" And yep. they said, "What list?" And Ziggy said, "Every team in the league has a list of guys that they are on their radar that they know." That if we need a center back, we can go get him. We don't have a list like that. Yeah. And so they wound up with Michael Ciani. Yes, absolutely true. Um, that's a Jerome Mary signing, by the way. That's what we talked a lot about Jerome Mary and sort of his ability to um, connect interested parties uh, across uh, France and the United States. And he brings a lot of players well, into Major League Soccer. That's how you say it. Another way to say it is he funnels his guys to in, certain teams. Into teams. And he does it all across Major League Soccer, but especially the LA Galaxy have been heavily dependent on that. Um so this is good. I want to break this up, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, the LAFC game, and we can get out of here. Uh, Fernie in the chat room says, Josh, is it true the Galaxy don't watch game film? No, it's 100% false. Um, there was a quote in The Athletic that said that the Galaxy didn't have a dedicated space to watch game film, right? And that's what the quote came down as. So I was like, you know, that's weird. I go, but it also kind of doesn't surprise me whenever you look at all the rooms that are downstairs and how cluttered it is underneath the stadium that maybe there's not a dedicated room. So I reached out. I was I was like, I'll just talk to some players and ask them. I'm like, hey, what about this? Where do you guys watch? Where did where do you guys watch game film? Where did you guys watch game film? I spanned it across a couple different teams, blah, blah, the whole deal. And they were like, no, no, we watch game film all the time. It was like, but they have they have TVs in the locker room. Right. Where we, and Kevin, you we've been in the locker room. There's a giant TV there. So a lot of times they'd watch game film in the locker room. There's also a lounge that's connected right next to the locker room that sort of comes out, which we're never allowed in. But we can peer and we can see. And there's like three TVs in there as well. They would watch that in in and there as well. So the thing that you have to focus in on the athletic quote, which is probably true, is the Galaxy didn't have a dedicated space to watch game film. And apparently now they do. Um, but before they could watch game film at their lockers or they could watch it in the lounge or that type of thing. So there was plenty of places for them to watch game film and they did watch game film with that new thing on fitness tracking everything. I wonder if they still have pro scheme pizza all the time like they used to. Yes. That's probably not a, Oh, they do. Yes. Okay. You know, you know how I can tell you Damien and I, Damien and I got pizza last night. They had some oh, leftover and Vicky, yeah. uh, Vicky at the LA galaxy press because we were Damien and I decided to work downstairs in the TV studio. <laughs> we're still ironing out bugs of this whole, like, you know, getting down the TV studio. But Vicky goes, Hey, did you guys want to work down here? And we're like, yeah, is that okay? And then she's like, yeah, sure. No problems. She goes like, how long do you guys need? And we're like, Oh, you know, Hey, we'll, we'll probably be out of here in 30 or 45 minutes. And she's like, okay, no problems. So she walks, I think, I think it was Kevin who actually asked us that. So Kevin walks out the door, right? And literally the security guy comes in like 30 seconds later. It's like, you guys are going to have to leave. <laughs> we're like, wait, we were just told we could stay. No, you have to leave. You have to leave right now. And we're like, no, literally they just walked out the door. So we eventually we got it. And so Vicky made it so we could stay down there till about eight 30. Um, and then they had to escort us out. Um, because you know, we're downstairs. Really? Oh yeah. We were downstairs. Don't you know? I mean, it's like, you know, Kevin, you and I have wandered around downstairs like so many times whenever it comes to all this stuff. It's always funny whenever it happens. But anyway, we got escorted out of tower, but Vicky came in afterwards and she goes, I got you set till eight 30. You're fine. She goes, uh, she goes, did you guys want some pizza? Cause there's leftover pizza from, from the, the team. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. So yeah, they said, was it good? Uh, was it good? no, it was cold by the time it came to us, but it was fine. It was, it was fine pizza. Um, by the way, by the uh, way, did Jovan ever pick up the pizza you bought for him? Oh, I'm not oh, supposed to tell him about that. Uh, Pat, Patrick, uh, ten dollars super chat uh, says free Mutatu put him on the left next to our new South American central attacking midfielder. Yeah, the Mutatu thing is just um, uh, it's a long story. I don't know where it's going to go. I have a feeling we're headed towards a resolution here soon, so hopefully we can share it. It's it's for good reason that we're not for right now. 
Um, but that's going to come to an end here relatively shortly. So we'll see if we can talk. It's it's one of those things that you, we really need to sit in front of Greg and have him explain it. And that's going to be the only way that it that it all sort of comes to fruition and everybody knows what's going on. So, uh, but someone didn't do their homework. I mean, yeah, across uh, across years and years and years and years yeah. and years. Yes. Um, so, uh, Anthony, uh, Tony, by the way, says, what about analytics? No, that was, that was it. I gave you all the answer on the analytics side of the scouting and stuff like that. Uh, maybe because that changes. There's other analytics. Maybe, maybe that changes. Yeah. There's different parts of analytics. I forget, I forget how they like, ch- there's different words for it and I always get it wrong. And then I get a DM from Sean but Stefan I, I, and I tells think, me I'm wrong. And you know. I think they do use some because Greg came up with some bizarre stats last year about where they, you know, where they begin to bring uh, the attack from how deep they are and stuff that I had never heard before stuff. You can't just get by going to, to right. stats.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where we get all of our stats is stats.com. That's a good one. Um, looking real quick at the LA galaxy and sort of um, the mediocrity that uh, surrounded the LA galaxy on the game against Minnesota. Uh, just looking at Jovo, uh, uh was the, the best player 7.0. Uh, whenever it comes bond at 4.5 is, is a pretty rough uh, take there, but it is what it is. Uh, cough up three goals and give up a huge rebound, and that's what you're going to get. Um, Efrain Alvarez. So who was who, who the best player again? Uh, Jovalich for the LA Galaxy. Uh, just Yeah, just saying. Okay. No, he was. Just, yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. I just j- just remember, please, please don't, because people also who have been listening to this podcast this entire time will then forget the entire part where I said Jovalich was great in this game. I thought he was really just, good. Just saying, he'd be starting on on my team. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he would be up top. No, you wait, wait. You want to pay him, play him underneath Chicharito. That's right. You want I, him to be the creator. Okay, cool. Just just wanted to check. You know, you know, he'll get a lot more goals as the creator than he was sitting on the bench. Uh, I think he's going to get a lot more playing time. Uh, okay. It was it was I'll interesting. Go. It was interesting. Greg Vanny talked about Derek Williams. He talked about Javier Hernandez, Javi. Which is uh, another side note. We're talking to Greg Vanny. And Javier Hernandez walks right through the TV studio as we're talking to Greg Vanny, and he mentions Javi as he's walking through, right? So it was one of those that Javi didn't get the memo yet that the TV studio was like back in use, and he was cutting through in order to leave, and so he was cutting through, and he walks right through the the TV studio. Remember, remember who used to cut through the TV studio a lot, Kevin? Go ahead. Do you remember Geo? There you go. Yeah, Geo. But Geo would do it when we weren't there. Yes, yes, and he would do it in order to get around fans. That's the whole idea: is that you don't have to right. walk through the through the Champions the League. Champions and all that. Yeah, Champions League. Did did uh, did Chicharito say hi to you? Uh, he was sort of like, oh, like one of those was like, oh, didn't realize there were a whole bunch of people in here. It was it was one of those. Um, so anyway, uh, that's that's uh, that's something. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to cover here. The only major stat thing that I'm sort of watching right now is just the home points. Uh, the LA Galaxy averaging 1.50 points per game at home, not even close to good enough. Um, their average is 1.87 at home, and in the good years, they're routinely above you know that 1.88 around the two mark at home, and they are not there right now. And again. If we go look at 1.57 on the road, it's not a dramatic difference in terms of what they're doing on the road, but it's harder to play on the road, harder to win on the road, except if you're LA Galaxy right now. Apparently, they play better on the road and get more points out of it. So 11 points right now for the LA Galaxy on the road, 1.57 points per game. Uh, whenever you look at it, uh, just uh, let's see. Can we show this one? Yeah, there's a dip. There's a dip that I'm watching, and I sort of plotting this against other MLS Cup years, and that's always dangerous just to even limit it to that. 
But watching the dip in the LA Galaxy sort of playing, they're still well above the 2012 year. And the only thing I will tell you is that the 2012 year kicked it into gear. And everybody says like, oh, man, the 2012 you know year was they were really bad to begin with. And then they kicked it into gear at the end of the summer. No, the, LA, the 2012 LA Galaxy kicked it into gear in June. That's whenever they started doing it. So you're not that far away from it. I'm just saying that there's still plenty of time for the LA Galaxy to sort of kick it into gear and be a very good team. Just because you're seeing them where they're at right now, 13 games in, still a lot of games there. If you look at the dive the LA Galaxy took last year, that started in August, end of August, right? So perhaps the dive is happening sooner, Kevin, and they decided to get it out of the way faster this year. So that way they can then return to, to playing good, right? That's that's the answer. Well. 2012, let me see, Beckham, Donovan, Keane, Omar Gonzalez, A.J. De La Garza, you had uh, Sarvis, Juninho. Yeah, I see the similarities. Right. No problem. No creators in that in those in those guys either, right? That's, that's what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. Uh, they just manufactured goals all season. Uh, LA Galaxy on pace to score 34 goals. That's not great. 13 goals in 13 games, so 34 goals uh, in scoring. They had a 52... 56, 54, something like that last year. I could probably look it up. Yeah, but look at the goal differential. Why did they not go to the playoffs last year? Does anyone remember? Raise your hand if you remember. Oh, it was, it was goal differential. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, it was also the RSL they cheated. Win, I think. RSL cheated. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, 36.6 right now in terms of goals given up in a 34-game season. That's still incredibly good. Don't freak out about that yet. Let's see sort of how the defense settles and see what happens. Uh, a non-league game coming up midweek is something that um, you can sort of you know look at. It'll be excluded from all the stats. U.S. Open Cup stuff it always is. This is the only thing that changed for me. Longest single stre- single uh, season winless streak per year. And right now the LA Galaxy have three winless. Um, and so um, that's that's something to sort of watch as it continues. Last year, the, the record was nine. Uh, in 2017, it was 10. So just keep an eye on that. It all, the 10 started with three as well. So did the nine, right? Like you have to get to three and then it goes to four or five, six. Eventually it ends in nine. But I'm just saying, don't. Does it always happen that way? It does every single time. Oh, okay. um, and then the, the last thing I want to get to scoring first and allowing first. It's so important for the LA Galaxy. I know Nikki covered it um, on Spectrum uh, to lead and Greg has been paying attention to it. Everybody is. It's such a huge predictor about whether the LA Galaxy do it. I'm sure it's predictor league wide. It is. Fairly easy to say you score first, you win first. Here's the problem. The LA Galaxy have given up the first goal in four games, Kevin, and only four games, but three of those have come at home. And that means they've been outscored seven to one in those games at home whenever they have given up the first goal. That's pretty, pretty critical not to be in those positions, especially at home. So the LA Galaxy are 0-4-0 right now whenever they give up the first goal and 0-3-0 at home when they give up the first goal. On the flip side of that, whenever you look at the LA Galaxy and them winning the games, uh, they are outscoring opponents 12-5 to and in eight games so far this year, they have scored first. Their record is 6-1-1 whenever they do that. The only game they lost was the game against Seattle where they scored first. That was on the road and then they ended up losing 3-2. You know, there are, there are some teams, I think Liverpool is certainly one, um, and LAFC's one, who, you know, in the last 20 minutes is like the most dangerous part of the game. Those teams are hard to play against. You think, we'll just park the bus the last 20 minutes, we'll get a lead and hold on to it. It doesn't seem to work out that way. I, I don't know what it is about those teams, but you just knew that uh, on Sunday that Liverpool was going to score a bunch of goals late because they always do. I, I wonder why teams have that, that ability to sort of turn it on whenever they need to late in the game. It, Other teams, you're, you're right, Galaxy score first. And, you know, does it change the way that they play? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it does. I think that they settle because they're so good at keeping the ball away from people. It's a real advantage to them to score and then keep the ball away from people. Right. That's that's the idea of, of how that's supposed to work. And I think that their defense is solid enough that they can withstand that whenever they're in lower blocks. So it makes a lot of sense there. But I'll tell you this right now. Good teams can win from losing p- positions. I think Liverpool had 20 points from losing positions this year. That's a yeah, re- they were remarkable. That's re- ridiculous, right? I mean, that's that's unheard of. Well, except they had 92 points on the season. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, they were also really good whenever they didn't give up the first goal, right? So, I mean, that's that's Liverpool. I would say in MLS, that's more of a sword that you don't want to play. You know, everybody remembers the, you know, Goonies never say die uh, type of uh, run that San Jose had one year. And it was, you know, Alan Gordon and Steven Lenhart. And it was just this team that refused to give up and refused to die. And they had all sorts of points from losing positions because they would come back late in goals. And I always said, you know, that's great until you get to the playoffs. You can't do that in the playoffs. You can't survive that way in the playoffs. So having a team that has that gives up goals um, is not, it gives up goals early is not a way to a championship, not major league soccer. And I think that that's a real detriment to some teams seeing that they do that. You can't be a team that always comes back. It's nice to have the ability to come back, which the galaxy don't have right now. Right. Again, good teams can come back. We're not saying the galaxy are a good team, right? I think they're an okay team. Um, I'm not swayed by the last two home games. I'm looking at the whole thing and I'm saying, I think they could be okay, but they have a huge problem in the creation side of things. And if that doesn't get fixed, they're not going to be able to hold the defensive side of things forever. They can't just win every game. One, nothing that's, that's very difficult to do. A good team can do that. The galaxy aren't good there. Um, if they can start scoring goals, Kevin, and start converting chances, they can move back into the good category for me. Yeah. They're on pace for 34 goals. Yeah. From a $12 million attacking yes. expenditure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, but they're also, they're also doing, they're also on pace to give up like 36 goals. I mean, it's, it, it would be it, it, right now we have them at a minus two goal differential and that defensive side of things would be a tremendous improvement. It would be a 20 plus goal, 25 goal improvement year over year. So don't give up on the defense yet. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not there. Um, I'm, I'm not ready to give up on that. I think that they've they've proven they're OK, especially against some good teams, especially on the road. So that's it. Let's get. Uh, Can we give up on the offense yet? <laughs> I think the offense has given up on the offense. Uh, let's talk about the uh, LA Galaxy's U.S. Open Cup round of 16 match coming up against LAFC. Uh, this game is on Wednesday, May 25th, 2022. 7.30 p.m. is the scheduled start time. Kickoff is also scheduled right around that. So expect a couple minutes after, but 7.30 p.m. right around that. It can be found on ESPN+. Um, I am not expecting. I would have expected that somehow this got spun onto ESPN. Um, because ESPN has the rights to the games for the U.S. Open Cup. And for me, it would sort of be like, well, they have a chance at a El Trafico and they could go nationally televised. Technically, it's nationally televised on ESPN Plus, right? Because you can get it everywhere and there's no blackouts. Um, so that's something I would have thought. I do not have high hopes for whatever whoever they decide to give this game in terms of announcing and all that fun stuff. I don't have any insight. I'm just telling you that I have zero, very little faith uh, knowing how the U.S. Open Cup uh, announcing games are usually handed out and, and taken care of. Um, so just be prepared for that if you're not going to the game. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, I kind of understand what you're saying. This game definitely is probably better than whatever else ESPN is showing. But, you know, a lot of times those broadcast contracts, they say we got a U.S. Open game. They don't know when they make the decision. It could be, you know, Sacramento Republic against, you know, uh, I don't know, against uh, Oklahoma City or something. They right. don't know who it's going to be. So they probably got Rodeo or something else on that they they signed a contract with. Said, you will be on primetime ESPN. And so they really can't make that change. Yeah, no. But it, do you think, it, it, is it going to sell out? 
I think so. I think it's going to be very full. I will, I will say this. I was given a warning, Kevin. Um, not an official warning, just a general warning, and I will pass it along. Do not expect this to be as home-friendly as it should be for the LA Galaxy. I would, I would agree with that. I, I think I, there's a lot of tickets available. Yeah, I, I really think that there... I, I know there's tickets available. I know things are going to get sold. I know things that people are going to sell. I think it's going to be very full, especially for a Wednesday night. Um, I think it's more than 22, 23,000. So you're close to selling out at 25, right? You're 25, 164, I think, or 764. I can't remember exactly, but whatever. 25, 164 gets you a sellout. So I think you're going to be but close it, to that. But I think there's going to be a may, lot of LAFC fans. Yeah, I think it's going to be the closest to a 50-50 since that game in Florida during the uh, COVID Cup. Yeah, it's. I, I I really think that there's there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of LAFC fans there. So you know, keep your head on a swivel and calm yourself down, everybody. Okay, it's a U.S. Open Cup game. All right, there it goes. Um, LAFC coming into this, we've talked about it. They won their last game against Columbus. They it was a rain delayed game. How many did it get delayed? Like four or five hours? It was really pressed out, wasn't it? Yeah, it was delayed about three hours to start. Then they played like three minutes, and then they delayed it another seventy minutes. Yeah, so it was um, it was a whole thing. And Vela ended up, I think, coming on at halftime. Right, so they did right, rotate a little they, bit. They did rotate a little bit. They rotated it's kind of like like the Galaxy do when you think right. about it. If you think of Vela and Chicharito, and um, you know, um, they got both their goals late in the second half from guys that were on the bench. Um, I think in an ideal situation with the rain and the the and the the muddy track and all that, I think they probably didn't want to play those guys, and and they had to. Kind of the same thing. I think Greg Vanny. I, I think in Greg Vanny's blueprint, Chicharito had Sunday off. And yeah. didn't get Sunday off because they needed, they, you know, they they needed to press. I don't know. He said he had a set of subs sort of ready to come in and, and sort of doing it. I always thought that those guys would play a little bit just because I don't think the Galaxy have enough real subs, especially whenever, the, you know, you're right. Maybe they changed that real early once they realized they were down one nothing and they were like, well, it looks like these guys are going to have to play. But I always felt like maybe there would be some second half minutes for those guys. So they did. But, you know, on both sides, you know, Sasha talked about this. We don't want to look ahead. Once the pairings came out, he immediately said, I think within a couple of days, we're not looking ahead. We we know that game is there. Right. Well, you just told us you know it's there, so you're already looking ahead. Not only I that, but, they, but it was the most important game. We all know that. Sasha yeah. said it. The most important game of the month is the one, you know, is the U.S. Open Cup against LAFC. He said it, it was, which is good, by the way, because I don't like when people, oh, no, we're not paying attention. You are. You're paying attention. Yeah, I, I think both locker rooms, It's once this came out, realized that maybe the Columbus game wasn't the most important game in this cycle. And, you know, LAFC actually winds up with the better schedule on this because they traveled to Columbus, but they were playing Columbus. Then they got San Jose on the other end of this. So the Galaxy is really a game they can focus on. You look at the Galaxy, you know, they have a team they're 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 fighting for top of the table and then they're going to go Austin second in the table right now yeah. at the end of this. Yeah, but at the same time the Galaxy didn't have to travel. They're they got home. all the, yeah, all the home, home games. So there there's advantages and disadvantages of everything. Um But but the road games is where they play better. So there. Yeah, well <laughs> that doesn't bode well for the for the Open Cup game on Wednesday. So anyway, um I'm not aware of any uh I'm not aware of any security protocols in place. I expect that there will be some sort of like you can't go back behind Angel City Brigade, that type of thing. They won't allow that if you're if you're wearing LAFC gear. Um, but I expect it to be a lot more open than it has been. So just understand that going in. Um, I, I think it'll be fine. I, th I expect everybody to behave themselves. But this is going to be it, it's such an interesting test to throw in in the middle of this. And it really is at the expense of the Houston game and the Austin game for the LA Galaxy. If they win this game and they get to move on, um, you know, past this this quarterfinals, uh, you know, experience here, then they're they're into something. This is they're getting a lot closer to being somewhere where they could win a trophy. 
Um, and well, they play the winner. They would play the winner of San Jose, Sacramento Republic. Right. So whoever wins that game, that has to be a winnable game for the galaxy. And if they win that, then they're in the, in the final, they're playing for a trophy. Not, not only that, but the galaxy would host that game. They already know they would host, right? So the winner of the game against the LA galaxy hosts against the San Jose Republic game too. So whoever wins that game gets the host. So the galaxy would have another home game against San Jose or Sacramento Republic. If they get through that, that's, that's the thing. So we would know that already. We already know the hosting um, for the next round, whenever that happens. All right. So that's why the, 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 I think the H1 position was so important for the LA Galaxy, which was you get two home games if you win the next two games, right? So you get this home game and then you get another home game in Open Cup. And I have said for years, Kevin, that the teams who end up winning this usually get a plethora of home games, you usually go on the road for one or two, but that's it. The teams that end up playing three or four on the road, they, most of them never make it to three because they're going to lose that game. Well, and, and so how big is this game? If they beat LAFC... You got again. You got to think whoever advances, Sacramento or, or San Jose, coming to Dignity Health Sports Park, big advantage for the Galaxy. It will come after the international break, right? So they'll get to rest and, and everybody will be healthy. Even Victor Vasquez will be healthy. They win that game. They're into U.S. Open Cup final. We roll the dice there. You know, 90 minutes, anything can happen. We don't even have no idea who they'd be playing, but they're playing for a trophy. And if they win that, they haven't won the U.S. Open Cup I think since 2005. If they win that, they're in the Champions League. I mean, this 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 is a pretty big game Wednesday. When you look at what could what the come path is, it. yeah, what the the path yeah. is set for the galaxy to make something of this, um, and so that's why it's a big game. That's why you rotate on. You know, I, by the way, I'm also sick of it. People will say, "Oh, play this." He all he does is play the same starting eleven, and then he doesn't. And there's like, "Well, of course he made those changes because he's just rotating." Well, yeah, of course he's rotating. That's what that's what he's going to do. Too many minutes. He said he was being careful with Derek Williams because Derek Williams got injured around this time last year. He said he was being careful with Chicharito because Chicharito got injured around this time last year. He said they were being careful with Douglas Costa because this is the first time Douglas Costa played back-to-back 90-minute games and he said like a year, right? They're aware of all of these things when they're doing that. So it was smart to rotate. They are being cautious with Chicha. They're being cautious with Derek Williams. They're being cautious with Costa. You want to see that because we all talked about this before, Kevin. We said, hey, Chicharito needs to top out around 2,000 minutes this year. Well, he's going to rapidly hit 2,000 minutes very, very quickly if the LA Galaxy don't start getting him some blows every once in a while. And I think that's where Jovalich comes in and plays more minutes. Absolutely, 100%. Well, unless I'm missing it, this was my question to Greg, and maybe I misunderstood the answer, but you were there, you heard it. Um, when You talk about rotating. Um, I've always heard coaches in every sport where they like to keep players in sort of pairs or, or trios. So in other words, Chicharito tends to play a lot with uh, Cabral and doesn't ever play with Dayon. And so when you rotate, you need to, to be aware of that you're rotating pairs, not just one. You're not sending one guy out to play with a guy he's never played with, that you substitute two or three guys in. So the player that you really want to be effective is surrounded by people he's comfortable with. That's another thing. When you say, oh, well, Greg kept three starters on the bench, probably kept one starter and then the, his two buddies, his two wingmen stayed on the bench as well. Yes, and Greg sort of said no, but yes on that. So he he threw you a bone. I think he didn't want to be like, hey, you, moron in the back who's on Skype <laughs> or on Zoom, whatever it was. Uh, no, that's not how we look. That's not how we do it. Yes and no. He rotated, but he also kept guys who knew who were sort of have played next to each other. But by the way, Jovalich and, and Chicha have played together a bunch this year. Just not a total ton of minutes, but they've been next to each yeah. other a bunch of times. Um, at least four or five times, I think, so far. So anyway, that's it. Are we good? We're good. We don't want to talk about this anymore, right? We're, it's, it's almost 930. It's, it's, we've been talking for 90 minutes about a crappy Houston game. 
Snoopy says it's time to go. Yeah. He's nodding his head. I, you have so many things in that office. I'm, yeah, I'm worried I about you. Toys. I mean, Chicharito coming back. Uh, you you really need to learn your left and right whenever there's a mirror too. Yeah, I do. I need. Yeah, I know. It's like you start moving in one direction when you one don't way. see it going yeah. that way. You need to go the other way. Okay. Uh, all right. There we go. Kevin De Bruyne and, and Chicharito are going away now. That's absolutely not anything we need to talk about anymore. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. Head on over to, uh, to LA Times where you can find all this writing. Kevin will be there on Wednesday. I'll be there on Wednesday. Sophie will be there on Wednesday. We'll have a show on Thursday. Then Josh goes on vacation. So Thursday will be the last show for a little while, about a week and a half or so. Um, and then Josh will be on vacation. Uh, so no recap of the Austin game or anything like that. Keep that in mind. All right. I'm on vacation the whole day. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can go ahead and follow all of the post-game press conferences, all of our podcasts, all that fun stuff. Anything I feel like writing is up there as well. Cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right. That does it. Like, subscribe this video if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about podcasts, all that fun stuff. We really, really appreciate it. All right. For Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.